If you have your Bibles open to First uh, Corinthians, set this over here for a second. Chapter twelve is is our touch place, our touchstone. I don't know what you want to call it. It's it's our it's our scripture verse that we kind of use the the build off of. We're looking at First Corinthians chapter twelve, uh, where we see the spiritual gifts listed, and we'll start in verse. Uh, verse 4, and we'll go down through uh, verse 10 or so here. Um, if you did not get an outline, there's an outline and some notes out on the table. It says Prophecy Part 2. Um, so it's, it's kind of combining where we were last week. So uh, if you have the scriptures, and uh, you can read along on the screen, or you can uh, look in your scriptures with me in the, in the Bible, and I'll start reading here in chapter 12. This is what Paul writes. Now there are various, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. So this is the word of the Lord for us today. Just a reminder, as we're thinking about prophecy, as we talked about it last week, uh, I, I gave this definition, uh, prophecy is just the human report of a divine revelation. So it's when the Spirit reveals something to us and we're able to bring out that revelation in, in that moment. So we're not making new scripture or anything, but it's in that local assembly, in that time of prayer when we're one another in small groups, when we're in maybe a 3D group or something where we're just praying and the Spirit gives us some insight, something that we would not know, and we're able to give a report of that. We're able to bring that out for the common good. That's a theme we need to keep in mind. It's always for the common good and building up and encouragement. 1 Corinthians 14, 25 Paul says that uh, prophecy discloses the secrets of a person's heart and a response to such a manifestation could be that he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. When it is of the Spirit, when he reveals something that encourages, that builds up, and you're thinking there's no way you should know that. Or you were not in that conversation. How did you get that insight? And you're like, well, I was just praying and I've, the Spirit gave me this. What is the outcome? The outcome here, Paul is saying, is that it pulls people to God. That they, they're moved into worship. They're moved to see God. Because what is prophecy? It is the manifestation of the Spirit. It's God among us. He's showing himself to us. And so we have to understand that, that when used rightly, it's not about the person. You're not in awe of the person. You're in awe of the Creator. You're in awe of God. You're like, God is here. He is moving. He is speaking. He's giving you that word. I'm encouraged. I'm built up. I'm, I'm in awe. That's what Paul is talking about here. Again, prophecy is of the Spirit. It's not of, of man. It's a revelation of something hidden in a particular circumstance. It's not new authoritative scripture. It's, it's filtered through authoritative scripture. It's filtered through the Bible. It does not supplant it. It is not new, but it is working through it. It itself is filtered through what God has spoken to us. So what is the point the question I have here in my notes is, what is the point? If we have Scripture, then why prophecy? I mean, well, if, it's, if it goes through this, why do we need prophecy? I mean, if we have everything for life and godliness, why do we need a word from the Spirit? 
isn't this enough? Or is this deficient in some way? It's not deficient. It gives us everything we need. It is, it is complete, it is the revelation that we need. But prophecy, as Paul points out in 1 Corinthians, is for the building up and edification of the Lord's church. It's a means of Christ fulfilling Ephesians 5. It says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. The Spirit of God moves and works to fulfill this. So we have in Ephesians 5 this general uh, statement about what God's doing and what the Scriptures do in our lives in this general way, how it guides us and leads us to walk in the fullness of God's ways. But it doesn't give us all the little details in our circumstances. And we stand up here and say, God is intimate with you. He knows your life. He knows the details of your life. And you're like, really? Because I don't see the details of my life in here. Well, then the Spirit shows up as you're praying and gives a word that lines up with the Scriptures, that lines up with His will, that lines up with His character, His nature, what He says to us, and reveals and discloses those things of your heart, of your life. And He says, yeah, I know exactly where you are. And we see that. So it's part of Ephesians 5. It's also a part of Philippians 1.6. Paul says this, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He began a good work in you when you received the gospel, when he put the Spirit in you, when he sealed you. And part of that good work is God speaking, talking to you, being intimate in your circumstances, showing himself, manifesting himself in your life that you would worship Him, that you would know Him more fully. Often we, we get to these places where we're like, oh, that was a coincidence, or wow, it was neat how God worked that out. No, this is God talking. This is God working. This is God in our midst. And sometimes we just kind of push it aside and say, well, yeah, like it was kind of neat how that happened or that circumstance worked out or just that person at the right time just happened to have extra groceries while we were short this month and they just brought them by. No, that's God working. That is God moving. That is God speaking. Scripture, is it, is it deficient? No. It's all we need. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. Um, it says that, I don't think I gave you that one, did I? I messed up. All right. Bible drill. Okay. <laughs> To the left of, left of Hebrews, left of Titus, 2 Timothy 3.16. I should have that memorized. You're thinking, Pastor, I have that one memorized. I know you do. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete Equipped for every good work. So we have what we need here in the Scriptures. He, he leads us. He guides us. He, he helps us be complete for every good work. The word of prophecy is filtered through the Scriptures. It's filtered through the Scriptures. So what does it do? 1 Corinthians 14.3, it says this. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So it edifies, it exhorts, it consoles. 1 Corinthians 14, 24 and 25, it says, But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. Secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Prophecy convicts, and it teaches, it instructs, it moves us to worship. 
Acts 13, 1 through 3. It says, And now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manian, a member of the court of Herod, the, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So Acts 13, it it shows us that prophecy is used here in giving a direction uh, for ministry or maybe even for life. The Spirit giving some direction, some guidance in the circumstances. 1 Timothy 4.14, it says, Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy. This is Paul talking to Timothy. The gift you have was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Here, prophecy is is a warning not to neglect what has been given. It shows opportunities to, to serve for Timothy. It's used to identify and impart other spiritual gifts. So we see that it has a place in the body. It works. It's, it's used by God in different ways, but it works in accordance with the Scriptures. It works through the Word of God. It's not separate. It's not over it. It's not new. It works in the revelation of the Scriptures that God's given us. So I have a testimony of how this worked in, in, in my life um, our path was to go to the mission field when we were coming out of college. Uh, we had been praying, my wife and I, and we we're like, oh, we'll do, we'll do mission field. We'll do the two-year program as volunteer missions, and then we'll come back and we'll do seminary, and if that's what the Lord has, and maybe do career missions after that or whatever. But we, we kind of had prayed, and we really felt God said, I want you to take two years and go serve. And that was settled. Like We were like, yeah, like that's it. And then comes the 2 plus 2 program through Southeastern. Hey, you don't have to go serve two years. You can actually come to seminary for the first two years, and then we'll put you on the mission field for two years. And when you're finished, you get an MDiv, and we will appoint you as a career missionary. How does that sound? Like, there's this new fun program that's like missions and an MDiv all wrapped up, and I'm thinking, well, that's what God meant. Like, that's what he wanted. So we go off to seminary. First year was horrible. I'm working 40-plus hours a week as a night manager at Walmart on the front end. And now, if you haven't had to deal with all the returns and all the you know, people, like I, get, I jumped in and I was the customer service manager. I'm the guy that everybody wants to talk to and yell at. You know? They're bringing you Kmart stuff and saying, I bought it here. And you're like, this is Walmart. That says Kmart on the box. I don't care, I want my money. That was me, 40 plus hours at night doing that, doing seminary class, full time on top of it, trying to make ends meet. Bethany's pregnant, Caleb on the way, trying to work a part-time job. We're in a little apartment. We're not paying our bills completely. We're not getting our groceries and all this. It's like, what in the world? Guy shows up from the Air Force, has like 20,000 kids in tow, and he's like, hey, God's provided all of our needs and all this stuff. And it's like, hey, it's great. And it's just like, how can that happen? Like, there's only two of us. Not, well, three, one on the way, but he's not eating much right now. You know, it's like, she's just, it's like, we're having a hard time. God, what is going on? And God just like, nope, I told you what I wanted. And so he just made that way shut. Seminary was hard. And I was out, and you can ask my wife, Bethany, about this story, but Nicholas came, uh, Muteti, and he was working for the apartment complex, changing air filters for the complex. And he came, and he was there, and he's just like, I think God wants me to pray for you. What's going on? And she's like, well, you know, it's just hard. And she's just sharing. And he's just like, you're not supposed to be here. She's like, what? And she's, he's like, you're not supposed to be here. God wants you to go to the mission field. You're supposed to leave. 
And so I come home. She shares this. He's prayed with her. So she's got that incredible interaction. She's, I mess up the story. If, so get it from her afterwards. Um, she comes home. She's like, Rob, we're not supposed to be here. And I'm like, yeah, I was feeling the same thing, but I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to admit it. And my pride as a guy is like, I don't want to admit that we're not supposed to be here right now. It's like, no, no, we're, we're going to do it. We're doing the seminary thing. That's what we're supposed to do. We go to the file cabinet. We're like, yeah, we should reapply. Let's reapply. We'll get the old forms out. We'll get the address. We'll look for it. We'll send off for the new forms or whatever, and we'll get the, get the thing started. We'll get the whole process started again. And we open up the file cabinet, pull out the old forms, and behind the two old applications are two blank brand new applications. Like, thank you, God. Like, it's, what a coincidence. We just had two extra on hand, you know. Filled it out. Within weeks, we're out at the seminary yard sale with our kitchen table, all the bookshelves. Now, if you're a seminary student and a guy brings bookshelves out, like, that's big. Like, it's like, wait, are you sure? Like, they don't care about your kitchen table and stuff. They're like, yeah, you can get a kitchen table. But bookshelves are like gold to seminary students. Like, and you bring out bookshelves, and they're like, now, now, if, if this isn't God's will, you let me know. I'll give them back. Like, I'll let you get. I'm like, no, no, we're selling it all. We're going. And they're like, well, when do you go? We're like, well, we haven't gone to the assessment yet. And they're like, are you nuts? Like, you're selling everything. You haven't even gone to the assessment. We're like, God's just told us. We just know. It's settled. We sold our stuff, went to the assessment, ended up on the mission field. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is fulfilled, the Great Commission. What? He tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to observe all that he's taught us. We, we go and we fulfill the scripture. How do I know that those things, those promptings, those, those words given to us by others, they weren't in the scripture. They weren't in here. I couldn't say, oh yeah, that's right there. Rob and Bethany go to the mission field, chapter, verse. I couldn't go there. But I knew because all of the things that were being spoken to us and told to us were confirmed through God's will for his people, through the general revelation of the scriptures. I knew that I was being obedient to him, that these were the things, and the spirit was confirming that with my spirit. I just knew, yes. Uh-oh, she's adding. This is a testimony, this is not preaching. Okay, yeah, right. We fill out. This is on live stream. I have, okay, fill out the forms, and we mail them. There was a knock at the door. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, yeah, that's a good part, yeah. So looking for confirmation, she reminds me that after we filled it out and we sent it, this, I'm saying again for you guys on live stream, that our neighbors actually just brought us groceries and had laid on their heart to write us a check, and it paid what was left over of all our bills. Just paid it to the penny. Um, yeah, that's confirmation. Yeah, you, yeah. So prophecy is used in a very powerful way to build up Christ's bride, to, to work in her, to, to purify her, to cleanse her, to move her, to encourage her. These are prophetic words that were spoken over us. I didn't call it prophecy at the time. But that's what it was. So let me give a word of warning what prophecy is not. It's not a new revelation that supplants or replaces Scripture. It doesn't take over Scripture. It isn't authoritative over Scripture. It's submitted to Scripture. It must be lined up with Scripture. And when it does not, then it is not a prophecy of God. It is not what he is saying. Number two, it's a means to introduce, it's not a means to introduce strange doctrine or changing orthodox doctrines. The way that's worded on the, on the handout, just, I'm looking at it right now thinking, it looks like I'm affirming these things. This is not what it is. It is not these things. <laughs> What prophecy is not. It's not a means to introduce strange doctrines. Sometimes people do that. They're like, I got a word from God, I just know it. And then they bring in some kind of 
heretical teaching or teaching that kind of sounds like it could be, but they're not submitting it to Scripture, and they're not having you submit it to Scripture, and they're saying, it thus saith the Lord. This is of God, so don't challenge it. That's not what prophecy is. Prophecy is not a way of controlling others' behavior or actions. When someone comes up to you and they say, I know God's will for your life, you better test that. (laughs) Absolutely test that. It can be used as a way of being manipulative, and that is not what prophecy is. It is to encourage and to build up, but it is always subject to the word. It's also always subject to the one receiving it. So if someone comes and says, I think God says this for your life, and it sounds like it could be, Thank them for it. Pray over it. But if it is not confirmed by the Spirit in your spirit, just as Paul had application of prophecy given to him in, in the book of Acts, we saw that last week, he said, thank you for that, but you're wrong. <laughs> I'm going to go do what the Spirit has confirmed for me to do. So it is not a way to control others. It's not to have authority over others. Another thing that it is not. It is not a means of speaking against others for personal reasons. Prayer is used this way sometimes, where we get together. Can you just pray for our brother? I don't want to get into all the details, but let me tell you. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying because I'm concerned. I just want to pray. You know, that's a gossip. That's slander. That's backbiting. That, prophecy can be used the same way. I had it from the Lord that the leadership of the bridge is crazy. And I just want to share that at the covenant partner meeting. And uh, so, like, it's just from God, I know, I was just praying. It's not to be used in this way, to speak negatively or to be divisive or critical or make public information that would shame or heap guilt, be gossiping, be backbiting. It should not be used to humiliate or embarrass brothers or sisters. It is not a means of elevating one's authority in the fellowship. So we see this in other spiritual gifts. We, we hear it all the time. One of the, we'll talk next week about tongues, and one of the things people say is, well, people told me all the time, like, if you don't speak in tongues, you're just not really a good Christian. Like, you have to speak in tongues. People will do the same thing with prophecy. They'll say, well, you know, I got this gift of prophecy, and the Lord's speaking to me, and so, like, I just have this authority over people. Like, he's put me in that position. No, actually, he's put you in a place of submission, He's put you in a low, humble state, and he's using that gift if you're using it rightly. It's not to elevate one over others. It's not to take authority. Uh, It's not used to take authority in the church. You don't submit to prophets. It's interesting. 1 Peter uh, 5.5 and Hebrews 13.17. It tells us that the church had established by Paul elders that you are to submit to. Worthy, godly men to lead the church, not prophets. He established elders. Now, your elders may have a gift of prophecy. They may have other different spiritual gifts, but you're submitting to the leadership as they are leading and teaching the Lord's church through the Scriptures. So it's not to make oneself have authority over others. It's not a way to decide everyday activity. Read, read the Scripture. <laughs> Get in the Bible. See what God says about life, just daily life. How does it look just to be a disciple? So much is right here. It's plain. And sometimes we, we wonder and we're wringing our hands, what's God's will? And I'm like, well, did you read the Bible? Because like, some of the things you're asking about are pretty clear, you know? And... and <laughs> And I'll give you an example. Like, I just saw a, a thing. There's guys all over the internet, right? All these bloggers, YouTubers, and all this stuff. And they make a living talking about whatever and showing whatever. Well, it's the same in the Christian world. There's guys that talk about doctrine and different things, and they have their own little niches. And one guy was saying, is it wrong for a Christian to curse? And I'm thinking, just read the Scripture. It's pretty clear that there should be no foul language coming from you. You should have no coarse joking. Like, it's black and white. It's right there. Should you curse? No, you should not be cursing. It's pretty black and white. Okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch somebody in the eyes, and, and then you can get me later for this. When something is blatant like that, 
and you look at our culture, and they're elevating chance to be derogatory towards our president, should a Christian join in? No, he shouldn't. He shouldn't. Because it says it is in the spirit of cursing. It is in the spirit of cursing, not blessing. I'll probably get an email. Great. <laughs> Look at this last thing. Prophecy should only be spoken if God speaks. Otherwise, refrain from that feeling to speak. Okay, don't fill the void because there's a void. You don't have to open your mouth. Again, last week, if something pops in your head, that doesn't mean it has to come out of your mouth. If you have a, a sense of something, that doesn't necessarily mean it's from God. We're going to talk about testing in just a moment. You speak if that Holy Spirit pressing is saying, this is something to share. This is something to share. You should be judging it before you open your mouth, too. Like, you get something, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to share this. It's like, wait, did you judge it? Did you test it? Is, is God is, okay, you're showing me this. What does this mean? Why am I seeing this? Does this line up with Scripture? I don't understand this. I don't even know if this is for now. Okay, I'm not going to say it. Perfect. Otherwise, maybe you're, you're praying and God shows you something. You're like, oh, God, is this... Is this from you? Is this what you're saying to me? Does this work? Does it go through the scripture? Is it, is it right? Does it edify? What is? Oh, yeah, I see that. Okay, I want to share this. God's just given me this. He's given me this scripture. He's given me this picture. I don't know what it means, but I just want to share it, and I'm praying this for you. Great. So we have to be thinking about prophecy, what it is and what it's not. Matthew 12, 35 through 37. So here's the check. So you're just thinking, well, you know, I just, I just say it and let the Holy Spirit work and all that. Okay, you can do that. But you also have to understand, Matthew 12, 35 comes into play. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. So as you speak, as you believe God's moving in the prophetic gift, just know that those words, you will give account of them one day. Every word we speak, we will give account for. So it is not that we just do this uh, because it's exciting. We do it because the Spirit's moving, because God is prompting, because He is showing, He is revealing, He's manifesting Himself. Prophecy has a good place. So let's discern. How do we discern prophecy? So the definition of discernment is uh, it's the supernatural ability to distinguish, or yeah, the supernatural ability to distinguish between the gifts of the Holy Spirit and other spirits, whether they are demonic or human. So testing the gift of distinguishing spirits is being able to tell. It's a supernatural ability of being able to tell. And I've seen this in people, and, and I think maybe you've experienced it too. I think there's a sense where we can tell the spirit of a person too as they come in. It's like, I don't feel right around that person. I don't know what it is. They don't do anything wrong. They don't look like anything. But there's just something about them that makes my spirit not at ease. So I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to watch a little carefully. That could be the gift of discernment, distinguishing a spirit among you. We are commanded to do this, especially with prophecy. 1 John 4.1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we are to test the spirit. We are to test what people say. We are to test the prophecy as it is given. I, I love that Sam Storms in his book uh, says that one of the biggest disservices we do is that we don't test, that we just we don't want to offend, we don't want to put it under the lens of Scripture, and we kind of just, we're, we're very polite. He says, no, we should be testing. Why? Because that shows in the fellowship who's really walking with the Spirit. When you see the spiritual gift being tested, 
then you have confidence in men and women who have that gift because when they speak, it is tested and it is right. And others that may speak and it's tested and it's wrong, you would say, okay, we're just going to have to be a little careful here. We need to talk more. We need to understand what's going on. So we need to test the Spirit. We're commanded to test the Spirit. So this, this tells us that not all miracles or displays that are supernatural are of the Holy Spirit. So we must remember that we are in a spiritual battle. and We have a cunning enemy who works tirelessly against the church. Sam Storm also goes on in his book uh, about spiritual gifts. He says, the most urgent need is a church that is theologically literate and sufficiently familiar with the Bible, that it can effectively judge and evaluate both the source and the meaning of dreams and visions and subjective impressions. He says, perhaps the greatest disservice, this is what I just shared, perhaps the greatest disservice we show to those who prophesy is the failure to evaluate what they say in light of Scripture. So what does that look like then? 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-22 says this, Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. So we are to examine everything. In connection to uh, verse 20, he says, Don't despise prophecies, but examine them. So in light of Scripture for us today, uh, does the the word being spoken align with God's instructions and his general will or purposes. So when the prophet speaks, does it align? Does the word uh, being spoken edify? 1 Corinthians 14.3. You have these references, and because I want to make sure we have time for our testimonies, uh, I'll let you look those up. You can flash them as I go through, but I'm not going to read each of the, the Scripture verses. I'm just going to talk about the main heading. So does the word being spoken, does it edify? That's 1 Corinthians 14.3. Does the word being spoken build up and strengthen? Does the word being spoken exhort? Hebrews 3.13. Does the word being spoken encourage? Hebrews 10.24. Does the word being spoken bring comfort? 1 Thessalonians 5.11. And does the word being spoken come from love? For the other person. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2. That one I am going to read. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. Can you go to that one? Huh? Don't have that one? I have it. Right here. 13, 2. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I work in the prophetic and I don't do it because of love for the person in which I'm ministering to, then I am nothing. That's what Paul says. He says it must meet that test. It must be loving. I think that's a big one. So he tells us here, to hold fast to what is good. So when the word has been tested and it is settled that it is most likely from God, then hold fast means to believe it, to obey it, to keep it. Verse 22, he says, to abstain from every form of evil. Well, evil can mean that which is ineffective or unfruitful. So that word is not a fruitful word, it is not a good, a good word, it doesn't line up, so we abstain from it. Evil can mean that which is contrary from the Scripture, so sometimes there's a well-meaning word, but it does not line up at all. It's contrary to other Scripture passages, so we would not hold that word, we would abstain from that. That's not a true prophetic word. Evil can also mean that which is antichrist, against God and rebellious as an enemy. So, there can be false prophets, false teachers, who actually are working against the church. Abstain from those words. Abstain from those prophetic utterances. At the heart of it, Paul says that 
To shun a spoken word that doesn't confirm to Scripture, it, it, it must build up, it must encourage, it must exhort, it must comfort, and it must come from love. So what's the end result? Again, 1 Corinthians 14, 25, we read this. The secret of the heart is disclosed, and falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Whenever the Spirit is manifest, it should move us to worship and thanksgiving. God shows himself so that we will know him and worship him. It should move us to thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's this week, and so I'm going to pray and as I'm praying, if you are here to give a testimony, I want you to come up this way and you can get, come down here. Corey, you have the microphone if you'll bring it. And so we have several that are going to share a testimony. Worship team, as I pray, if you just want to get staged, get ready. You don't have to stand up here. Um, but you guys, safety in numbers, I'm going to put you all up here together when you give your testimony. And they're just going to give you a teaser. They're going to give you a teaser of what God has done in their life and how it's encouraged them and how it's moved them to thanksgiving and worship. And I would encourage you to have conversations with those who give testimony this morning um, to get the full story. Because like me, I might leave out a detail. Bethany was the one that really should have been given that testimony. (laughs) Uh, But they're going to give a testimony that should move us to worship and see God. So would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this teaching. I thank you for how we are built up and encouraged by your spirit, how you're making your bride ready for you. And you work in just marvelous ways. Help us to discern the spirit rightly. Help us to walk in the fullness of Christ. Help us to be able to bring out of a good storehouse, good gifts and good things. And now as we hear of this testimony from others, I just pray that we be encouraged, that we would be built up, that we would see you, that this is who you are. This is how you work in your people. Father, I just give thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, come on up, guys. You can, you're going to have to stand closer to the stage. I'll let you guys kind of do across the front here. Oh, now they're jockeying. Like, you want to go first? You go? Yeah. Um, but we'll just, uh, just, your first name is fine, and then uh, share with us just kind of how God has worked and how he's encouraged you, and then... Uh, how it's moved you to this worship. All right. Uh, My name is Caleb. Uh, And so I just wanted to share with you kind of my journey in my prayer life and what that has looked like. Um, So, you know, uh, when we're sealed with Christ, this is as close to hell as we get. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys have heard that, uh, but that is one of the things that I have uh, held on to my entire life um, I grew up learning that we are in the midst of a battlefield and that we as Christians experience it for the war that it is. But even so, Christ has sealed us and that if we wait on the Lord, our strength will be renewed every day. And so that has been one of the things that I was just constantly you know, pressing into and just looking for that renewing of strength every day. And even so, it was just wearing me down. I mean, it is just exhausting. And so, you know, this is all true. And in my prayer life, I kind of saw prayer as the radio for help, you know, that we were calling to God and he was in the chopper giving us the supplies we needed. And uh, he was our support and he was uh, the one that was clearing the path for us to get to the next area. Um, But in the last few years, God has been calling me into something new and showing me that we aren't, we aren't separated. It's not a radio and this helicopter. It's that he is with me. And, and the crazy awesome thing that he has been showing me through just prayer resolution, which I went through, um, and then these prayer nights uh, here at uh, on Saturday nights that we have, is that um, 
it's not it's not me in the trenches calling on the radio, but it's it's a it's a little boy playing hide and seek with his dad, and he's looking for him, and he's not quite seeing him all the time, and it's because his dad is hiding and just being quiet and waiting for him to come and look for him, waiting for him to stop shouting and saying where are you, but actually play the game, go and go and find him, you know, and. Uh, you know, as I, as I sought him and as I pressed in, I began to understand uh, he was quiet because he was waiting for me to walk into the next room of the house. He was showing me here all of the gifts that he had for me. He was showing me that um, there was so much more to life than just this battle that we're in. Um, he was just here, I mean... Once I walked out of the mud room of the house into just the next room, into the living room, where he had all of the things waiting, he wanted to show me and grow with me and really be with me in all that. And so that's what has been a huge change is that it's doing life with God. It's not doing life and you know radioing, radioing for help. It's not just kind of trudging through, but it's actually doing life Together And so C.S. Lewis said that it was going further up and further in. And so that's more of what I've been doing uh, recently and in, and in this life. And um, so, you know, in this life, it's as close to hell as we get as Christians. But it's so much more than that. It is just the beginning of, you know, that further up and further in, which we get to continue in eternity, and seeing that has been a huge paradigm shift in how I have been living life and just going through day to day, and it's just made things so much, so much more, uh, I don't even have words for that because it's so different and so awesome, yeah. So... I'm going to start on a Saturday night. Um, Gina and I had come to prayer, um, and I didn't really want to come anyways, but we had come for prayer for her, but um, Gina said that Corey needs prayer over his back. And um, so they were praying over me for that, but um, somebody got a word as they were praying, and the word was proud. God's proud of you. And for me, that was huge. Um, But why would he be proud of me? I'm angry. I don't treat my kids and wife the way I should. I don't read the Bible as much as I should. I don't pray. Um, So there was a huge list. But God just said, that doesn't matter to me. Um, I just want you to try. I want you to move forward. Um, and he said, I can see where you're going. I don't care where you've been. Um, so I had just a distorted, distorted view of God and looked at him as a parent who was disappointed every time I screwed up, every time I got mad, And he's taken me from a spot where my view was that, and then I felt unimportant. I felt I had nothing good to say or to offer, and he's just totally changed that and showed me that um, in Christ, that stuff doesn't matter. You're totally new. And the second thing is just taking my story and encouraging other people. Um, I would have never thought a year ago I'd be standing up here telling the story. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, just, yeah, I'm just thankful for that. So. A couple of months ago, I was driving uh, into church, and I had been kind of thinking about maybe I should be a member. Should I be a member? I'm praying to God. And, you know, I, I tend not to be a member kind of person. 
And um, I don't know what to call it. All of a sudden, into my brain, um, I received a message that said, um, a question is going to be asked from the pulpit. You're going to look around to see if anybody's got their hand up. They don't. You're going to put your hand up. You'll be called on, and you'll answer the question. And I thought, well, that's weird. (laughs) You know, Rob doesn't do audience participation. You know, when Mike Evans was at Faith Community, he used to do it a lot, but I've never been at the bridge when there was, Rob asked a question. So I dismissed it and went back to thinking about whatever I was thinking about. And I sat here during the sermon, and all of a sudden, Rob's talking about the Israelites crossing the Red Sea and into the desert, and how many of them got to actually go into the Promised Land. Does anybody know? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> So I look around, nobody's got their hand up, I put my hand up, he calls on me, I answer the question. I'm like, what just happened? (laughs) So I'm sitting there going, God, you are the most amazing God. It's just incredible to me how you work. And I... After a few minutes, seconds of praying, I looked out over the congregation. I got it. Will you hold that a second? Thank you. And I just saw like a fluffy, soft canopy over this whole congregation. And I sensed nothing but godliness. And I said to myself, I want to be part of a church where that's the spirit. And as I was driving today, the story doesn't end, I'm thinking, how do I end my story? You know, what's a good way to segue to the next person? And I was thinking about the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. And it suddenly struck me that a humongous, major, world-changing event that happened over 3,000 years ago is still impacting today. That's the God we serve. He wastes nothing. Thank you. I'm Linda, and my story is about something that happened the last time I came to prayer night. Um, We were going around my group, and everybody was telling what their prayer request might be. And when it came to my turn, I'm like, oh, I don't even know where to start. So I just had so much stuff that I'd been thinking about, probably for a couple months, just really feeling, you know, heavy about a lot of different things, family things, crazy stuff in the family, relationships, um, medical things, you know, the country, the world, just on and on. Didn't want to watch the news, (laughs) that kind of stuff. Um, So anyway, I think I gave one example of my list. I said, I don't want to monopolize the whole whole session. So then I think they prayed about that. And pretty soon, Amy Rybecki comes over to the group, and she comes right to me, and she says, is there something going on with you that, you know, you need prayer for? Um, And I'm, well, no, not with me. I'm just thinking about all kinds of other people and situations. So she says, well, are you feeling burdened? And I said, yeah, you got it. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm feeling. And she happens to know that our Lord doesn't want us feeling like that. So the group prayed for me about that. And actually, since then, I have felt a lot better and a lot lighter. So, very thankful for that. And the Lord has brought to my mind scriptures since then, like in Matthew where it says, Come to me, all who are burdened, and my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And First um, Peter 5, 7, uh, Leave all your worries with him because he cares for you, and stuff like that. So... And I also want to give a shout-out to Bethany because she said something really smart that night that stuck with me. Um, And it was, you know, when you set your burdens down, 
you, you, I was kind of just picturing myself setting my burdens down. And she says, well, you have to picture Jesus is picking them up, you know. So you're giving them away. <laughs> so thankful. Hi, my name is Stephanie. Um, I recently went through a, a season of real uncertainty um, related to my job where I've worked for 22 years and just some job security challenges. Um, and spoiler alert, the good news, I things are fine now. But in this season where there was all that uncertainty, the Lord just did some amazing things, even before it, um, leading up to it. Um, you know, of course, with anything around work-related, there's always the financial piece. And before, before some of these concerns came up, my husband started another position um, as a teacher and just saw the Lord's provision in that. And just this constant reminder through the whole time, the Lord just saying, look to me, I am, I am your provision. And I could list off so many things that he did in this process that make me so grateful um, you know, that my husband and I just are, we were always on the same page. Um, there was, weren't any marriage challenges related to that. We were just, it just felt just a strengthened relationship with my husband. Um, I felt through the whole process too, anytime I started to get a little bit anxious and kind of squirrely, um, I just felt like, have you ever tried to like hug a child that like doesn't really want to be hugged or they'd rather be going and doing something else? I feel like the Lord was telling me, just lean into me. Like that's, I let me hug you, hug me back. And through prayer, being prayed over, being prayed with, um, hearing from people when I was in Oklahoma, people who had no idea anything about what I was going through and getting validation and confirmation the whole time that Lord was just drawn near to me, drawn near to me. And so um, through this whole process, he's, he's reminded me of things that I enjoy and how I've put a too much emphasis on my job and it been an idol to me in some ways. And so it's just been, it's just opened my eyes and, and helped me reprioritize and also ask myself those questions. Like, where should I be? Where does he want me to be spending my time? What does he want me leaning into? He wants me to lean into him, but also the other things that maybe I have put my work as a higher priority than it should be. So I'm very grateful for the work that he did. He did in the process. Will you hand the microphone to Corey? Will you stand with us? And what we're going to do, we're going to finish. I'm going to get my stuff out of the worship team's way. We're going to Stand. We're going to finish with two songs of, of just worship. Um, I know that our testimonies tend to go a little bit long, and, and I don't want you to feel like I'm keeping you here. Um, but if you need to go, you can. But I want us to finish with just worship. And uh, I'm just so thankful for how God works and moves in our lives. Thanksgiving is this week. Think of the blessings that God has given to you and, and press in uh, with thanksgiving for the ways that he's worked in your life. You have a testimony, just as they do. Make it a point to share it with somebody this week as we think about being thankful. So let's finish with worship after the second song. You were dismissed.